Hello everyone, welcome back to the next edition of the Only Networking Show, news, education and member spotlights from Only Networking. I'm James West. And I'm Kelly West and we're the co-founders of Only Networking, the business network for people who like people. Fantastic. Hello again, Kelly. Hello. Welcome to our special guest, Helen. Hello. Helen Tudnam, welcome to the show. We'll be hearing from you today with an interview. Plus, we'll be having discussions about diversity and inclusion. That's been our topic at Only Talks previous month. Um, we've also got Kelly's next networking gem. Um, and we'll be talking to Helen, so let's crack on. I've got um, a quote from a member, fairly new member, very successful member, lovely guy, Sean Payne. Hi, Sean. Um, he said this, this is great. You don't know this. Open category online networking through groups such as Only is the best tool small businesses have ever had to help grow. It's taken all of our businesses from regional to national and even international overnight. Discuss. That's good, isn't it? Mm, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Just start off with an advert for only. And Sean. And Sean. I just <laughs> I think it's worth highlighting because I don't think we've probably quite realised the enormity of that change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think this only really dawned on me yesterday, and, and talking about the topic we're talking about today, online networking breaks down the cultural barriers as well. So I think that's going to take a little bit of time, isn't it, to kind of get your head around. So um, if you're talking to somebody in a different country, and it, it can often feel a little bit stunted, can't it? But that's for, for different cultures, so it takes a little bit of time for that to gel, doesn't it? Mm. So it definitely breaks down that as well, so interesting point. And it's also worth stressing as well, Sean's been very successful early in his career, he sells insurance, so he just gets into conversations with people. Um, but what Sean's done is that yeah. the networking is an icebreaker. So he doesn't labour the point, he just says his piece, and then he does the follow-up activity, and that gets him into the conversations that lead to another conversation, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. So that's why... He is using uh, the introduction yeah. that online networking gives you, but he's then actually doing the bit that you probably don't see, but is arguably more important. So that's why he's successful. Thank you, Sean. We like you very much for saying that <laughs> comment. <laughs> Diversity and inclusion. We thought it was about time we talked about this at Only. Mm. Network for people that like people. We like to think we're very welcoming to people. Um, so we did an education about it. We talked to Rachel Atkinson. Um, I learned loads. Just having the conversation with Rachel, um, just to sum up my kind of takeaways from it. But I think there's a desire, what I picked up, is that we'd all like to make change and improve the uh diversity particularly within networking yeah and um, particularly in the uk it's predominantly white middle class you know what can we do to change that there's also a collective i would say fear that if you ask the wrong question you can be vilified for it and that's not particularly helpful mm -hmm. um but then partly that's up to us to self-educate a little bit rather than just asking people well tell me about this why do you think that let's do a bit of research ourselves and um, van der varga the very lovely van der varga few people said this but she summed it up in a very nice way she said and again going back to your point about global networking if you go into these um, situations with an attitude of curiosity and good intention yeah. generally you're going to make positive change aren't you have you had any learnings reflections yeah helen i think 
for me, in the last few years, there's been a step from, you know, diversity to actually thinking about equity and equality and almost taking it to a new level. And so I guess the last couple of years, I've been on a bit of a journey of self-education, really, and an awareness and just seeing things from different people's points of view. And part of that has been trying to be in slightly more diverse groups. Yes. And diversity comes in all sorts of different forms as well. You were talking earlier about online networking. Well, if you're an introvert, actually online networking is really helpful mm. because there's a bit more structure and, you know, you are asked to speak, if you like, rather than waiting for that second where you can cut in. But definitely getting the the different perspectives from meeting different kinds of people on, on all sorts of different levels has been has been really helpful. Like Vanda says, be curious. Yeah, it's a good position, isn't it? And one of the things that came up as well is this notion of unconscious bias. And we talked about networking our uh, predisposition to look at who's in the room. And we're making a real snap judgment, aren't mm. we? Oh, that person's a solicitor. They are therefore going to be helpful for me or not. We've got to get away from that unconscious bias because the point of networking is serendipity. You do not know who the connection is that five years down the line or five minutes down the line is going to be helpful for you. It's hard to break that, though, isn't it? It is hard to break. And I think another thing that was... Uh, I think I've always been aware of this, but I think kind of stood out because a couple of people were kind of in this category mentioned it. But if English isn't your first language, mm. networking is quite hard for you anyway. Mm. So I think if we then treat somebody who maybe have a strong accent or, you know, English isn't necessarily that good, ask yourself honestly, do you shy away from that person? Mm. Or do you actively open your arms and sort of welcome them in and try and make that? Because, you know, probably I, at some point I would have been that person. It's taken me a lot of years to understand how to network with people and be comfortable. But also being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah. So have those conversations. And again, if, as long as you're... I'm terrible with accents. I really am. I am. But I will tell somebody that I'm terrible with accents. I'm sorry if I say pardon or if I, you know, I ask you to repeat things again. That's just, that is me. But unless you're explaining that and having that conversation with somebody, how are you making them feel? Yeah. You made me think about that as well. So if English isn't your first language, forgive that person for probably being a little bit abrupt. Yeah. Because Not because that's that's not even a cultural thing. It's like... If your vocabulary is maybe a little bit limited or you've got to think about, I couldn't do it. No. But no, if I'm going to go no. to a networking event in a non-native language, of course, I'm going to want to get across the, the pertinent yeah. point. We're talking about the nuance of language, aren't we, to a huge level there, aren't you are. we? And I think there's something around, if you're speaking to someone who you know, you know, English isn't their first language, there's you moderating how you would speak, no, not in a patronising mm. way, but I know I'd be a bit more conscious about not using slang. Yes. I, yes. I tend to use shortcuts of words and, and slang and that kind of thing. But I would make sure that I would just think a little bit more so to use the, the proper English kind of words that they're likely to have, have learned while they've been learning the new language. Yeah. I think that's a great point. You talk about this all the time, using abbreviations yes. that are specific to your industry. That's hard if you're two English-speaking yeah, yeah. people talking to each other mm. if you don't know what they mean. So absolutely that, Helen, you know, be mindful that if you say a colloquialism, that person's not going to understand and they might not feel comfortable enough. And we also have to be aware of some of the colloquialisms we use haven't really stood the tests of time no, that well. Yeah. So being mindful of the ones that you're using and obviously that they're appropriate. You always pull people up on using an acronym. 
Because yeah. I've done it before, and that person that I asked in particular didn't even know <laughs> what the acronym stood for. Because it just becomes a shorthand yeah, does. thing, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? So there you go. Don't use acronyms if possible. Um, but it has been useful, mm, isn't it? It's very. been a real eye-opening month, and it makes me realise, again, if we can go, oh, you know, in the UK, for example, and a few people have said this, we're quite a tolerant country, probably one of the more tolerant countries in the world. Job done, no. Absolutely not. You know, you've only got to look at the demographic of business in particular to realise there is a long way to go. So, and it's not just going to happen by chance, is it? No. Um, we've got to stick our necks out a little bit if we I want it to change. It will be uncomfortable for people. I mean, you know, we've got a new prime minister who has a very diverse cabinet, particularly at senior levels. And I gather from the news this morning, an, an unnamed uh, white male MP has complained. Wow. 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 Helen Tudnam with a topical <laughs> input. Yeah. By the time this goes out, it might not be topical. But... <laughs> be we can reflect player. back on it. <laughs> it might be a huge story by then. You never know. Okay. Um, it's your networking gem time. Already? We're straight into it. Okay. Networking gem time. Go Rob. So, uh, networking gem today. This one is about attendance. And this isn't an, a chance for me to bash people for not turning up to a networking meeting. Far from it. So we made the decision very early on in Only that we would relax walls around attendance, not being able to turn up, etc. Absolutely fine. Today's it is. We treat our members as adults. And if you're not in the meeting, you don't build a relationship. We get that. We're comfortable with that. But um, after a recent visit, I mentioned this on last month's show, I went to a, a different networking meeting as a visitor and I did see two subs who were stepping Explain in. Explain that's an acronym. That's it's an not an acronym, but it's a colloquialism. Abbreviation. Is it? Substitute. 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 I don't even actually think what it was then. So two people were substituting for the member. So the member couldn't make it didn't want to leave their space open they got a substitute in to come and, and fill their space now we do actively allow that within only but we don't shout about it um so what that would mean is if you can't make your meeting give it to another member which some people do on a facebook group or give it to somebody outside of the network it's a great way for somebody to come in and see the network with no pressure because they're coming in to sit in your seat now the one thing i wanted to highlight about this was I think the reflection back on you as a member when you do send someone shows that you respect your group. Mm. You've put time and effort and energy into thinking about the fact you are not going to be able to be there. Now, again, I go back to the original point. It, this isn't going to happen and I, we, we don't expect this to happen all the time. We don't even expect people to tell us if they can't make it without relaxed about it. But I think just have a little think about your uh, your networking journey. And we talked about planning for networking as well. So if you do know you're not going to be able to make a meeting, it is well worth reaching out to somebody to ask them to take your place. It's a very good point. And it's also, we were talking about this, weren't we? Because we had a group this morning that had eight visitors. So if you've missed that month as a member and you might think, well, it's okay. It's the same people that I see every month. That's eight new people that you've missed the opportunity to make the connection with. It's also very important to recognise now we do monthly networking that is a long gap yeah. mm. between activity, isn't it? And I think if you can't send someone, you can't make, again, fine. But do you look at the attendance sheet to see who you've missed? Do you look to see mm. if there were visitors there that you might want to connect with? And whilst we would never advocate reaching out to somebody cold and putting them on a marketing list, if there's been a visitor there and you've not been able to make it, they will see you on the sheet. So you are within your right to reach out and say, I wasn't there. I just want to check, were you there? Because they may not have been. Um, and if you were or, you know, if you weren't, I actually was really looking forward to 
to connecting with you. So, so could we arrange a call? More importantly, try and be there. It's once a month. And I think there is a tendency, particularly with online networking, that it's a little bit disposable. Take it or leave it. You know, and a lot of people book a call at the minute that the previous the networking meeting is <laughs> yeah. going to end. So they're rushing to oh, leave. Yeah. That's another problem, isn't it? I think, and we've said about this before, if you're not leaving any space to do follow-ups, you'll forget. Yeah. You'll forget what you said you were going to do. You won't remember who the people were on the call. So I think it for your own benefit, it's just treating the event with respect, isn't it? Yeah. And try and turn up. It's 12 meetings a year, isn't it? Yeah, for us. You know, other networking groups do apply, but... 52. 52? How many weeks? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully on not that, Christmas. <laughs> Christmas. Yeah. Have you got any thoughts on attendance and networking consistency? That kind of yeah, thing? I mean, I sometimes I can't make my meeting, but my sort of my own policy, if you like, is that I will always go to another groups instead. Yeah. So I get the discussion around the talk and it just gives me a chance to meet different people in yeah. only but i have to be a little bit organized for that and you know and look for the month and see which meetings are in and which ones i can go to and that kind of thing um the other thing i have done only recently after learning exactly the lesson you have just said is putting half an hour in my diary yeah. after only but also after if i'm if i'm coaching someone i have the same thing i don't want to be rushing off to go to a meeting yeah, yeah. and particularly if you use um sort of automatic you know like calendly or acuity that kind of thing it can just shove something in straight away. So I have actually blocked half an hour. And I might not need in, the in, in, in my own diary oh, okay. after after so only but also after um a coaching session I've got with somebody just to give me that space. And if I don't use all that half an hour, bonus. I can have a break, I can check a few emails. Do you know, do you know it just gives you that space. That's Great. Very important. Yeah. Excellent. Sort of two net networking gems in one there. Yeah. Reflect that in the graphics somehow, Rob. <laughs> Just saying, he You'll must get to this bit and go, oh, here we go again. Actually, have we ever actually said who Rob is? Rob's the guy over there editing. Brains behind the He's literally thing. doing it there. <laughs> Excellent. Let's move on. Final part of the show. Most important bit of the show, of course, is Helen. Welcome back to Hello. the show. So Helen Tudnam, Helen Tudnam Consulting. Yes. Got that. Good to get it right, isn't it? I've also got a bio. Helen is a leadership development coach. You can correct me if I'm wrong, by the way. No, that's fine. Having moved good. through the ranks of global consultancy, PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, yep. was it? Is it still that? It is. I've been there so long. When I started, I was the Coopers and Lybrand bit. Oh. Um, but then they merged with Pricewaterhouse, became PwC. There you go. Wow. Accounting history. Mm. Having moved through the ranks <laughs> of PwC, Helen was drawn to helping people meet their potential by overcoming their personal and practical challenges. She now works independently helping executives who feel stuck in their roles and advising businesses on how to help their people meet their goals. Mm. Fair? Yeah. Why were you drawn to helping people in that context, in the corporate world? Yeah, I guess there's two reasons, really. One was my own experience. So I... Um went through the, the ranks, as you said, relatively quickly. And I got stuck at, at what senior manager grade, basically, for, for quite a long time, around 10 years. And part of that was because that's when I had my children and I did take a step back. But when I was ready to kind of, you know, put my career a bit more higher up the agenda again, I just couldn't progress. And I didn't really know why. And uh, through a process of um, getting a mentor uh, and a coach and talking to people and speaking to people more senior than me, saying, you know, how did you get there? And 
you know, having to feel a little bit uncomfortable in situations and challenging myself, I, I made it and I and I got to director. So I had I'd been there. Mm. I guess the other side of it was I not it wasn't my day job, but on the side I did quite a lot of work working with um, sort of middle managers who were trying to get senior manager uh, and coaching them through the process. And I was also on the interview panel for it as well. Uh, and I really enjoyed that, um, probably more than than a, not all, but some of what I was doing <laughs> in the day job. Um, but it wasn't something I could do full time there. Uh, and I couldn't see where the next role for me was in PwC. And so and so I left to, to do that, to do the bit more coaching qualifications and that kind of thing. So can, you, can you give us, um, because it won't just be, obviously our audience is more the small business market mm. rather than corporate um, employees. Uh, can you give any advice on how you can start to self-identify reasons you might be stuck? Because you can become yeah. stuck as a business owner, I would argue, just as readily as working for someone. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of things. What where people get stuck. So one is where you want to go to the next level, whether that's in your career or in your own business, and you don't quite know how to make that that jump. Uh, people have also been stuck when they have actually got there and are actually feeling a little bit out of their depth and a bit daunted um, mm. as well. But there's also something around, you know, I've been doing this thing for ages. I don't, you know, it's fine, but I'm not sure. And I, and I loved it five, 10 years ago, but actually I'm not sure I love it anymore. And if I'm not careful, I will drift and I will keep doing it and doing it, yeah. even though it's not giving me the joy it once did. So in that case, then what's the direction that I want to pivot in or perhaps even a completely new direction? Does it tend to come back down to really ba basics of you as a human being? What do you want from life rather than necessarily yeah. business? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, when I, when I talk to people around... So the, my clients who are looking for is this the right career for me? I get them to think about what their what their values are, about their identity and them as a person, what makes them tick. I get them to think about their strengths and what they're really good at, um, a little bit about what they really don't want to do as well, and um, but also just what are the bits of what they're doing now that they really enjoy and that they want to do to do more of. And there's always some of the you know practical things as as well around it. But that's something whether you're in a corporate career or your own business, that's something that you can, you know, you can take time doing. We, that's self-reflection. We we've gone through this, haven't we? And it's really hard to know sometimes. I mean, me longer than you, I spent sort of twenty years running businesses effectively treading water, you know, paying mm. the bills. But um I think just because we stumbled upon only in it and we kind of stumbled is probably too no, we relaxed a word, but I do know what you mean. I, when you're talking, Ellen, I'm thinking there's a few things. Probably age. Mm. There's an age factor there, isn't it? You get to a certain age and you start questioning things. You know, if you've, particularly if you've got kids, and then they're coming to their real independence, sort of around twenty or whatever, and you've got time to move forward. Pandemic must have obviously yeah. made a big difference. So people being made redundant, um, thinking about, well, I've got the opportunity. I don't have a lot of choice. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. So there's lots of elements, I guess, and lots of... I'm interested, I'm going to throw a curveball because I haven't got <laughs> questions. How often do you see people get that wrong? So they'll make a decision, or you, 
not necessarily people you've coached, but do you spot that quite often that will, people will make a kind of snap decision to move into something different and they feel that that's not a space to be in? Or do you, is it kind of, it's worked on so much that people then do move to the next space and it kind of rises to the way they want it to be? What I tend to see is actually people not making a decision because they're scared yeah. of what's on the other side. Okay. And there are very, very few decisions, I would say, where you can't just, you know, do it for a year, it didn't work, I'm just going to do something else. And, you know, you haven't lost a huge amount. Yeah. So I always kind of said to people, what's, what's the worst that could happen and what's your what's your plan B? So particularly for people who might be wanting to leave corporate life to, to run their own business. I think what's more likely to happen is people just drift. Yeah. yeah. So... You know, I was talking to someone yesterday who's a, a, a lawyer in a, so he's an in-house lawyer in, in quite a big energy company, but he had been in a, a lawyer in practice mm. and he had found himself drifting and, you know, going up the ranks like you, like you do and being pretty good at it. And then he decided, you know what, I've just now realised I, I don't want to be a partner and I probably mm. never did want to be a partner, yeah. <laughs> but that was what was expected of me when you joined this big law firm. So he left for an, for an in-house role to do a particular type of, law that he just found much more interesting and probably have a better work-life balance it must be really rewarding when you get it right because this isn't about careers is it it's about people's life and yeah. um, expectation and fulfillment yeah so when you've got it right what does that feel like to know that you've helped someone do that it's really that's why i do it basically yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i do do it to help others but i do get a, you know a good feeling about myself um i think it all comes down to confidence and how how that confidence manifests itself or how the lack of confidence is, is different for everyone. So, you know, for, for, for one person, um, it's about getting the visibility. So she's feeling confident to speak to the directors of her organisation because she's positioned herself for a new role. For somebody else, it, it's, you know, they've got a not great relationship with their boss because they've got completely different personalities. So it's thinking about, you know, my boss isn't the bad person. They just operate in a different way to me. And so how can I be true to myself and be confident in my own abilities? Um, you know, you talked about intention earlier and know that we've both got the best intentions, but we just both work in completely different ways. Yes. So when she has said, you know, I just get on with my boss so much better now and I see her as an individual and that kind of thing, that's really rewarding. Mm. For other people, it might just be, you know, being in a, a big meeting, um, whether that's Zoom or face-to-face, -face, and being a bit introverted and feeling, you know, I've got the confidence to put my point of view across and it's just as valid as those who may be 10 years more experienced than yeah. me. That's brilliant. You're in a great position, aren't you, having worked so extensively corporate. Now, you, I know you predominantly work with bigger businesses, but you are effectively a small business. Yeah. You network with smaller businesses, so you've got perspective of both sides. I'm really interested, uh, what have you perhaps learned that, the small business world could borrow and yeah. do differently to corporates. Anything spring to mind? I think when I was in a corporate role, there was two things that I really valued. I think one was that I had a lot of peers and see not just my line manager, but a group of peers and senior people who'd been there, done that. And where I worked, there was a really good culture of it is fine to consult you know, you're not going to look stupid. We want to make sure you're making the right decisions. We're here to help. Uh, and certainly when I was, was going through to that promotion, I was amazed how many senior partners would sort of take the time to, to practice interviews with me and that kind of thing. 
I think as a small business owner, you don't naturally have that. And so I think that's where places like Only and, and networking groups come in, just having that peer group where you can ask what you might think is a stupid question or just have a sounding board, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing and it, I, that I was really looking at in a corporate was, was to have some really good quality training. Mm. So some of the, mm. you know, self-awareness stuff I was talking about earlier, that was done with with me at a relatively junior level okay um and that has helped a lot again as a small business owner i would always look for opportunities to do you know training i know where i live the actual sort of local councils kind of give free training for for small businesses as well so look and see what's out there any particular areas that you think small business owners should get education on so i think there's for me there was always something about um you know influence impact building good relationships with people mm. and where i was some of it was some of it was actually internally but it was also with with clients as well um and i would say that's been the thing that that probably most of my clients have looked to work on that and dealing with difficult situations mm. which again is kind of the you know relationship building but when it's a bit trickier as well I'm going out on a limb, but I'd imagine you'll back me. See, I think most small business owners, if they do go and seek education, it's about how to do something. So yeah, it'd be social media, website, something very practical and tangible. Whereas I don't think there's a natural tendency to think, oh, I need to work on me or I need to work on, like you mm. say, difficult situations or how to have effective conversations. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you can outsource some of those things, can't you? Social media and yeah. that sort of thing, whereas you can't outsource yourself, I guess. Yeah. And this, you know, the bits, you know, all the courses I did, so even things around selling and business development, at the heart of it, it's, well, you guys know, it's about people. Yeah. Mm. So it's about how do you build relationships with people? How do you build trust in particular? So what are the different components of, of trust? and how you kind of develop them for the way that you work with people. And for some people, that's just the way they do things naturally anyway. Yeah. But with others, they, you know, have to make a bit more of an effort because it's just not their natural style. It's fascinating. This is you're talking, I'm thinking this is so applicable. We think of corporate world and the, the need for it to be there. But if you're a small business owner, you are your business. So why are you not taking these things seriously and looking at channels to develop yourself and therefore the business? You need it more, arguably, than yeah. someone that works for an organisation that has got that backup. That mm. someone knows how because to do someone's that. Not someone coming knows in how behind to... you, are they? Yeah, exactly. You know, you you know, you almost when you when you're in the corporate, you sort of shadow and you work with people more senior than you, and and you get a lot of learning just from the way they mm. do things. So just to flip that round, so um, small small business and you're talking to people that presumably one of the considerations is you could set up your own business yeah, yeah. rather than pursuing corporate. What what do you tend to advise around the advantages? What's good about, we forget this, don't we? What's good about running a business as opposed to working for someone? Because sometimes I see from where we're sat, you know, you don't get holiday pay, you don't get bonuses, <laughs> you've got no backup and it can look a bit negative. What do you see as maybe the flip side? I think flexibility and freedom is one thing. And I work for a company that even before the pandemic were pretty flexible in terms of working at home and, and you know, left me just to get on with it, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, so I, I didn't think that would be such a big step for me when I ran my own business, but it is. I think it has given me a bit more 
confidence even as well, which I know some people might find surprising. So, so in my previous role, I did have to sell to companies, but being, you know, having the brand name behind me got doors mm. open for me and, and now I don't, it's just me. So I have to work harder at it, which has been difficult, but actually it's given me a bit more confidence think, oh, I can do this, mm. do you know? And, and actually if I know now, what I'd have known 10 years ago, I think I would have been much a much better salesperson in a, in a corporate role as well. Wow. What, because you've got that perspective? I've, I've been of... forced to do it, really. Yeah, you know, to... I whereas people would bring work to me, other other people in the organisation, oh, I've got a client who wants to do this, it's like a referral, mm. but, you know, there's so many people to... I can't remember how many, but there's probably 10,000 people in PDBC that could effectively refer things to me. Whereas now, people do refer to me, but actually I've got to go out there a lot more and speak to people and talk about what I do in a you know in a clear way and that kind of thing and it is a bit uncomfortable but I have as I've got more used to it I've got a lot more confident doing it that's interesting I always um I'm always very grateful for the fact that when I was a journalist I worked for a very small publishing house and I knew a lot of journalists that worked for the bigger magazines and all they did was write and they you know they were really good at it but that's all they knew. It was a small, narrow window. Me working for a small publisher, I got involved in the advertising, the page layout. I was going out on meetings. I knew the commercial side of it. Even the accounting, I kind of mm. was a little bit involved in that. And I think that gave me a great grounding for when I set up a business as opposed to I can write. Yeah. So it's similar to what you're saying, isn't it? As a business owner, you've had to try doing other things. And I suppose at that point you can either go, oh, I quite like that and or I'm good at it. Actually, that bit not interested in, I should probably outsource that bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was in a sort of a client-facing role, certainly for the last few years I was there. So I, so I, that was my job, was to to, to bring new work in. Um, I Things like, um, you know, having a full-time secretary diary management and making PowerPoint look pretty and that kind of thing. That's a bit I don't like now that I never had to do before. <laughs> yeah. So I try and outsource as much of that as I, as I can. But you know, when I, when I first started out, I didn't have the means to do that. Mm. So I did have to do it to start with. You've got to be a maniac, haven't you? Sorry <laughs> if I've just offended Sorry. someone. Probably did. Um, can we talk about books? Yes. You're an avid reader. You are a member of our Page and Screen book club. I am. Um, just sort of great book this month, by the way. It's but we'll, book, we'll yeah. talk it about that next book. week. <laughs> it is a good book, actually. Um, so I'm looking for a couple of recommendations for you. One aligned with business, self-development, anything around that area, and then just something for fun to yep. unplug. My So the book that I would tend to recommend most in terms of self-development and confidence is actually a book designed for women. Now, I'm, I'm sure if you're a man and read it, you, you, you know, a lot of it would apply to you. It's actually called Playing Big by a lady called Tara. I think you say more, but it's M-O-H-R. And she talks about how, particularly as women, we sometimes play small and don't want to play, put our head above the parapet. We're a bit worried what everyone thinks of us. It goes on to talk about the things that get you rewarded at school. So things like putting your head down and doing good work and mm -hmm. um, doesn't really apply in the workplace, whether that's you know a corporate workplace or your own business. You have to kind of put yourself out there. But there's lots of practical things in there, I think, that that aren't too scary. So you could think, actually, do you know what? I could put that into practice. Mm. Um, 
one that I just thought of when you were talking earlier, and I can't remember the author, um, but it's called The Trusted Advisor. Um, okay. So that's around trust. So what is it that makes trust and how do you go from being seen as a, I don't know, a contractor or a helper to actually being a trusted advisor to a client? So they're the two business ones. And that second one's been around for ages. Um, in terms of fun books, that, I mean, I read loads and there's loads. I How recommend. long did you spend thinking about this question? Quite a while. <laughs> so, But I thought... What's a book that kind of just you just read it and you just feel good? It's it you know it might not be particularly in depth or whatever. And I would say it's it's by Rachel Joyce and it's called The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Oh, it has been again. It's been around for a while, um, probably eight nine years or so. But it's about a guy who's recently retired, and he in a previous life he didn't have an affair but he was quite close to a lady he worked with who and he finds out she's in a nursing home in newcastle i think uh, and he lives in cornwall and he decides one day just to leave his wife and leave the house and start walking <laughs> um, and by the time they get to the end you know he's a bit there's a bit of a social media thing going on and everyone's joining him it's in the paper and that kind of thing and there's a sequel and i've just noticed there's a third book coming out which is about his wife actually mm -hmm. uh, which is out very soon the sequel's not as good but the, the first one the Likely pilgrimage of Harold Fry, just wow. very great, heartwarming. Sounds quite similar to the hundred-year-old man who fell out the window. Uh, I've read that as well. Uh, it's not as laugh out loud funny. Mm. Um, the hundred man, I think, was written by a Norwegian mm. guy, yeah. so it's slightly odd sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> and the sequel is rubbish. <laughs> yes, I read that as well. It's so annoying, <laughs> bad. Um, but yeah, that one I'd recommend. I think we should just have Helen on the show yeah. every month to do book recommendations. <laughs> so she even invented one. Of, well, she didn't invent a book. What am I saying? You know, came up I mean. with one. Came up with one. Helen, that's been amazing. Thank you. Great insight. Great show. Thank you, Kelly. So this has been the only networking show. Please like, subscribe, share, and we'll see you again next month.